Are you landing to land or are you landing to stick? I think ended with a nine, six, nine, three split. <laughs> so they may not have agreed, but they kind of agreed to disagree there. Texas is going to Texas. From a judge's perspective and everything that I saw, I don't believe they're taking post-flight deductions in most instances. She was committed to that big facial expression, happy music, super upbeat performance style of sending joy and sunshine out into the audience. Uh, If NBC wants to call, you know, my DMs are open. She just has it all. She's a great dancer. She's very flexible. You're not angry when she does these ring leaps. And then she's so powerful too. At least in FIG, the wolf turn deductions are very ambiguous. So here's my theory on that. When I had the opportunity to do this, I kind of just do my thing. And so I take everything with a grain of salt. I hope that it is well received from the fan base. You know, I want to make sure that everything that I'm saying and the way I'm presenting commentary ensures growth for the sport and respect for the sport and spreading that kind of passion and awareness for gymnastics to fans and hopefully athletes and, you know, the wider community. You know, that's, that's what I hope comes through. Double back with Kenty Mac. Welcome to season three of Double Back with Kenty Mac. Each week, I'll watch a meet and discuss it with a friend. This week, please welcome first-time guest of the podcast, former gymnast and expert commentator, Evan Heider. Welcome to the show, Evan. Thank you so much, Kent. Glad to be here. For those of us who don't watch the Super Bowl, we got the Super Bowl of Gymnastics <laughs> yesterday, getting to revisit the number two Cal Bears. I wanted to start there. It feels like they've been as clean and precise as this for a few seasons now, but it feels like something's really come together and they're been ranked number two all season long. What do you kind of attribute their success to? Yeah, it's been great to be both a spectator and a commentator along for the journey of Cal. I've been doing that for um, a handful of years now. And directly to your point, I mean, they've always been kind of a non-negotiable aesthetic standard in gymnastics. And really what I tried to touch on yesterday was that this is like a very purposefully constructed team with purposely constructed routines. And that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen even in two seasons. So this is kind of the culmination. And I feel like the other reality of gymnastics is establishing your reputation. So for a lot of years, you know, we've seen, I I think back to some amazing early 2000s LSU teams where they had perfectly capable, beautiful gymnastics, but kind of had this reputation for falling just short. Um, And I think that Cal has kind of crossed that threshold in being able to deliver in most cases to where, you know, you can expect high 197s, low 198s every time out. I love how you talk about the perfectly constructed team and perfectly constructed routines. That feels like that goes through the recruiting, the athletes that they're getting, the type of skills those athletes do, and then the adjustments that they make to those skills to make sure that they can perform week in and week out. One example, I believe every Arizona bars routine contained a single bar release, 
Whereas on the Cal team, you don't see as many of the single bar releases. I think there were two, but there are the very exquisitely done <laughs> between bar releases, the Van Lavens, and the really stickable dismounts. So that's what you're speaking about, right? Both the, the recruiting and also the routine construction itself. Yeah. And I think it goes back to Justin and Liz, you know, being in fine company, obviously with, with some of the, the top coaches in the country, but it is that both strategic mindset of building a program while also being pretty non-negotiable on the technical ability of your athletes. Uh, and so I think what we see in some cases are those built-in deductions where it's kind of like, we know that sometimes she may bend her arms on a Jaeger, but we're willing to put that out there. Whereas I think Justin and Liz, you know, from my personal perspective are kind of like, we'd rather do a Shaposh pack and, you know, work on the Jaeger in the background when it's ready, when it's beautiful, when it's perfect. Uh, and I think that really is, you know, kind of a testament to where the where a program is at and what coaches are kind of willing to put out there in order to also make, you know, confident athletes year over year, too. You had mentioned, I think, during the vault rotation as well, that there's some bigger vault being trained in the background right now. But it seems like what they're willing to put up is the perfect, nice height, great body position, stickable vaults. With the advent of the Yurchenko one and a half coming into that 10-0 start value, and obviously even more difficult vaults coming into NCAA each year, it does go back to a stuck Yurchenko full can get you, you know, a 9-9 plus every time, in theory. Uh, so that kind of speaks to your Yurchenko one and a half just has to be that much better or more reliable. And so I think Cal, and we see it in other programs as well, Michigan State, Gabby Steven comes to mind to where we saw her do big Yurchenko one and a half just to get her feet underneath her. It seemed like over the first two meets and then going back to that Yurchenko full and it's like, boom, she's at a 9-9-9-9-2-5 range, uh, which is great to have in your back pocket while still getting experience there. I think we're seeing the same, you know, one and a half capabilities from Casey Brown, Ella Cesario, Brandy Kakuno, you know, in training. And so I think the potential is there, but it's risk reward at this point. And I think getting reps with Lausanne resting, you know, it's great to be able to play a strategic game as a coach, I'm sure, to where it's like, we can think about these things, we can move things around a little bit. And so Cal, I think is a great example of that, especially on vault. Yeah, so vaulting in the first rotation, no sticks from Cal, but some really nice vaults. I thought Cesario, 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 Cesario. <laughs> So the in-house announcer says Cesario, so, but I somehow regress to Cesario every time. So hopefully no offense meant or taken, but yes, let's go with Cesario. That sounds, that sounds good. Yeah. Cesario, huge vault, very open hip position, just a tiny hop back, but that was one of the ones that really jumped out to me. I think what Ellis Cesario brings is competitive mindset. So a lot of times, you know, you, you get either the aesthetics or even either the beautiful glimpses of just like, oh my gosh, you know, Kathy is gasping in the background where, and then just coming up shorter or a silly step on a dismount. And Cesario, 
has had a, a mixed bag of that in her career. It's she's really pushing the limits of the full extension, you know, no opportunity for deduction throughout that bulk, trying to be a bit too perfect and land. I think it's great to see her with backward momentum or kind of in place momentum, as opposed to some of the short vaults that we've seen when she's doing fulls. I think also the way the lineup is structured, um, starting with Brown to Williams and then Cesario being kind of like, I, I would say probably the best example of a Yurchenko full, at least in their lineup yesterday and probably most weekends too. She's, she's pushing the limits. And I also mentioned yesterday when I was commentating, are you landing to land or are you landing to stick? And I think what we saw from Cal throughout the day yesterday was that they were landing to land a little more than probably they would want to. So landing to stick, I think, is going to be in the notes for their takeaways. Yeah, you can kind of tell when there's just a little bit of extra momentum and there's that bounce versus really sinking into the landing that we did see a few times throughout the day, but not the majority. I thought NJ Frazier's vault was really one of the outstanding ones yesterday as well. I have a question. I'm not sure if it's her technique or maybe her form. She's spinning so fast in the air and her form looks a little wobbly in the air. Is that just not being totally straight or what do you think's going on with that? So she does come off the table very quickly. She initiates the twist almost on the table sometimes, which is I'm sure something that they're, you know, constantly trying to technically refine. I think she's a great example though of probably it's going to be too much power in a Yurchenko full. And I don't think, you know, we've seen some interesting, I don't want to call them regressions, but uh, regressions in terms of twist. So Terrellyn Wynn from Stanford is a great example, going from a double full to a one and a half. I think it's a very interesting, you know, move. A lot of times that can be with, you know, ankles, just level of comfort in the direction you want to land. But going back to MJ, I think her, her technique, um, is quick. She's trying to get that twist done as fast as possible, which, you know, who can blame her? And I think the other thing with the double full, it's interesting because in a lot of other programs, I think you would, of course, see that double full in the anchor spot. Um, she was fifth yesterday. And it, it's, you know, one thing watching MJ year over year, I don't think we've ever seen her stick the Urchenko double full. And I'm sure that is the aspiration. It's a difficult bolt to stick consistently. But I do think there is this kind of resolve to say, let's make sure we have variety in that vault lineup. And we know that MJ can now take a one-tenth pace back and we can be good with it. In the air, I, I do think she has a, a little bit of a sickle. Um, so sometimes the twisting form, when your feet are kind of sickled, your legs can kind of look a bit separated. Um, but really, from a judge's perspective and, and everything that I saw, I don't believe they're taking post-flight deductions in, in most instances. We can see some of the tens across the NCAA that might support that argument. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Uh, one note I saw when Cal posted their lineups that Maya Lazan was not competing yesterday. We saw her run out with the team and she was there cheering on the sideline. And your, in your commentary, you mentioned it was just a rest week. I have a question about a rest week. How does that look in the gym all week versus like, is she not taking any landings for the whole week? And so she's not really prepared to do so in the weekend. 
or is it really just that she's modified her meet day and and training is like normal throughout the week yeah so in terms of intel specifically for maya i have none but in theory (laughs) i think we've seen over her career her freshman year she seemed pretty fragile and she's obviously super powerful while being super aesthetic. So she's one of those, you know, gold standards. And I think here, then you say, all right, a fragile freshman year into becoming one of those three event, four event workhorses, sophomore year, the same being true for the first half of the season, junior year. I mean, only Raina Worley can be going out every meet, you know, for five years and knocking it out. Nevaeh D'Souza is another one who was just like, did they ever not do all around? And the answer is no. So I think it's both for her as an athlete, a person who needs some rest, but also for the team preparing for those unforeseen situations, Maya notwithstanding It's like, yeah, we need people who have gotten some routines underneath them. That does us a disservice to have people who are routine ready and not having that opportunity. So I think that Cal also, you know, they look at the numbers. They're able to be strategic in what they're seeing. They're seeing that Arizona, most times out, is going a really respectable mid-196 up to, you know, kind of their, their threshold of 197. Cal knows that they're historically about a point ahead of that. So I think that also opens the door to where it's like, if there's going to be an opportunity, this would be the one that we take. And just using that, I saw my do a dance through on floor in the warmup. So she was active, she was moving, nothing I think out of the ordinary to where it would just be like, yeah, she's a person who needs a little break. Uh, Yeah, totally. As she deserves. (laughs) Yeah. When it started getting close at the end of the third rotation, I thought, are they going to go ahead and put Maya in? But good on them for sticking to their guns and getting that depth experience. As you pointed out, they were either one or two exhibitions from Cal on every event. So they're showing that they're at least eight, nine deep on all of the events, giving those folks some experience in the lineups. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a great leadership move to where it's like when the going gets tough we don't panic and we don't deviate from the plan when we know we have capable people you know people are in the right mindset you know gymnastics things will happen and that's kind of one of those life lessons that you hope you know athletes walk away from it with is kind of like this was the plan didn't necessarily go perfectly but you know we found a way to figure it out and I do want to mention too quickly in that first rotation on bars, you know, Arizona, I thought they they had a great even day. And the case that they made for themselves, in my mind, was that in a regional situation, they would be dangerous if anyone were to open the door. And I think, you know, what we saw was consistent routines, more landing to land than landing to stick, still some some glimpses of greatness. But I think those first three lineup spots for them are going to be really crucial to where they're hovering in that 9.8, range. They can crack those into 9.875s on their best day or 9.9s. Then that really could, could shift the tide in Arizona's favor on a good day. Yeah, like we mentioned, they did show all of the single bar releases throughout the whole lineup. 
I thought Sophie Durr in the fifth spot has a gorgeous body line right on top of her handstands. She does the the raid and then a pack, big full in, a little step, but like a lot to work with for this freshman. And I'm excited to see how this routine develops over the years. Yeah, I think there's some great potential with their underclassmen. Malia Hargrove is, we saw her hit a huge vault in the second rotation. She's one of those those athletes who I think back to, and I'm like, has she been in college for seven years, eight years? Because it just seems like historically, you know, she's she's been such a stalwart in not only Arizona, but in that conversation of kind of those shining star individual, you know, those 20 to 25 ranked programs where you're like, okay, this, and this is their go-to woman they also rested her on floor yesterday so some potential to to shift arizona up toward that 197 mark that they hit once and i think could have done yesterday pretty easily but just underneath so close so close also a great shout out to allison fears in that sixth spot i thought she did a beautiful job huge double layout really sank into that landing and stuck it i liked hearing you talk about the release point throughout the the routines. And it it really gave me a great insight to sort of watch where are they sending it up? Are they sort of floating above and dropping it right in? So thank you for that. And big shout out to Allison for that great, great routine. Definitely. And I think what you saw over the course of their lineup was again, really meticulously curated order within their routines to where you saw that technique and the ability really culminate with Allison in that spot to where you don't want to put her earlier necessarily because then you're doing a a comparison which we all know isn't necessarily what the judges are supposed to be doing however I do think you know it's a reality to where you really want to hit that that exclamation point with kind of your best in class or best in lineup example of what's happening there and I think the dismount uh, you know, understandably, the fi- it's going to be the final thing. So yeah, great example there. They're showing that capability of having, you know, multiple routines in that 9-9 range. So I think if they can get even more routines into that 9-9 range, again, they become super dangerous. So their first exhibition was Taylor Raskin. And her technique on the giant half into straddled Jaeger she twists late. It looked to me like almost sort of a Healy technique, like she goes through the handstand and then she kind of twists over on the other side. Is that kind of how you were seeing that? Or is there a deduction for that? Is that considered a, a, a different way of doing it? <laughs> so I'm not and never, never purport myself to be a code expert. I'm much more kind of like, that looks right, objectively in my own mind. It, it like harkened back to when Shin and Miller used to do that one and a half to uh, uh, like under grip and would just go so, 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 so late and was basically, you know, swinging through the bottom and getting that second hand on. Um, It's definitely not a blind change um, and I don't think it should be credited as such. Um, And yeah, just a, a technical difference. And there did seem to be some discussion from the judges as to how that played out or how that happened. So it seemed like that type of technique invites um, a bit of discussion or, or a more critical eye. Yeah, 
Yeah. She, as I recall, she used to also end with the giant half into a Rudy dismount in previous seasons. She's now upgraded that to a double layout. So you kind of saw that late <laughs> Diamadov kind of thing happening twice in the routine. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another thing I really enjoyed you pointing out, Emily Mueller went up first for Arizona, does a huge Takachev. But in terms of comparing hers to Allison Fears, you talked about how Allison really had that ideal mix of both height, distance, turnover, that, you know, Mueller kind of wows you with the height, but Allison sort of has it all with her to catch up. Yeah, and I think that is just another testament to, you know, smart, smart routine construction and smart lineup construction to where, you know, get a solid number in the bank and then build on that in terms of what athletes are kind of more technically um, geared to perform at. So I thought it it made sense for Arizona to, to go in that direction. So a couple of questions that I had before we launch into the second rotation, you mentioned the judging delays. Were these just normal judging delays or were any of these adapting to the Verdius system judging delays? I think it was probably a mix, you know, as sitting in, in, commentary seats there's a lot happening around uh, i think it's important to point out this is not like an nbc broadcast where there's a producer in my ear kind of giving me you know uh, direction as to what's happening or kind of what we need to talk about or go to next and i almost prefer it that way um but if nbc wants to call you know I'll, my my dms are open however i think it's it's a mix a judge, you know, probably has judged a meet so far this season. Maybe not. Have they done this event this season? Maybe not. So some shaking off of the dust, I think, is just a, another part of human nature. I think Verdius is also, you know, from what I've seen of it, is leveling up, you know, or, or taking gymnastics into a much more intuitive technical side of things by leveraging iPads and making it eventually more simple for judges. However, as we know, gymnastics loves the old guard and people, you know, it's a beautiful culture and community where people can stay for decades and decades and decades. So I think it's also saying, you know, a judge coming into a new situation, feasibly being onboarded onto a technical platform while still going through their normal preparation, there's a lot to to be undertaken. So I think all in all, suffice to say, it's just one of those things where people are, are understandably acclimating. But I think that Verdius offers, you know, some great advances that kind of level up the standard. You know, I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, sidearm stats or, you know, whatever those other um, more historic uh results sites offer and it's like how is it frozen with half of the page here and no results populating and you know just what how is this happening still um you know at this point for me for decades so i think verdius offers something that's more intuitive for not only the back end kind of technical judging side of things but also the consumer facing part of it but there were no huge delays i think there were if anything it was just then conferences to you know cal as we'll get into the third rotation open the door to, for some conversations so yeah that that hopefully gives you some 
some color as to how that played out yesterday. That's great. Yeah, you talked a little bit about athletes staying warm when there's a delay. You don't have a lot of patience for people complaining about that. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's the it's the athlete's job to to be ready, to be prepared, and and go when it's time. Yeah, I think it's it almost does a disservice to people in gymnastics and consumers of gymnastics where it's like, we can't believe this is happening. And it's like, this is truly a reality that has always been there. You know, God forbid there's an injury or some type of athlete delay. Those things are reality of our sport. So I think it's just being realistic with these things happen and to kid yourself and say that you shouldn't be preparing for them or you shouldn't be, you know, at least entertaining the option for that to happen it is what it is at that point so i'm kind of like yeah miss me with that i i don't need any kind of like can you believe it this is unprecedented it's like it's very precedented i can't believe it it happens that's right and you can train for it too <laughs> so <laughs> there was a technical issue we missed part of the second rotation for anyone who watched it you know we kind of cut off during warm-ups and caught back on in the middle of Maddie Williams' bar routine. Just before we lost the stream, Andy Lee was warming up. Her straddled Jaeger is both so high and she gets such great compression. Like, is that just a matter of her flexibility? Like the, the position that she gets in in the middle of the straddled Jaeger is kind of mesmerizing. I think it is a combination of a lot of things. One, the way that she obviously learned the skill and trains the skill. You know, as gymnasts, a lot of times, so you think about learning a back full. And once you get comfortable with going through that motion, it's like, what if I went higher? What if I, you know, tried to flare my arms out at the end? So you're constantly trying to level up and find that, you know, you think back to like Danelle Leva and getting those like the arm position on his release moves. I would argue, probably didn't start day one like that, but you get more comfortable over time and then you can kind of add on um, either that height or some more of those dynamic aspects to a skill. And so I think Andy Lee trusts her technique and she drives the hell out of her heels and just takes it as far as she can, knowing that she's never going to kick too far away or as we've seen, usually doesn't kick too far away. And yeah, just, you know, then she realized on, she can do a split, she can do a straddle position. So I think it's just marrying a, a combination of all that together. Yeah, it's beautiful to watch. You had mentioned she's working her way back. Do you know if she's working her way back from a physical injury or illness or exactly what was happening with her? I don't know other info on Andy other than as an objective person looking at her career at Cal, she's been much like, you know, one of those few all-arounders that they've had, you know, meet over meet, year over year. So she has a lot of repetitions under her belt. And I think, again, looking at, you know, kind of the personnel that they have on the team in terms of their lineup options, she now has maybe a bit of a luxury to come into a season with a bit more time. And obviously, fully capable, super road tested um, from the gymnastics she's doing. And I thought yesterday was a great example of kind of like, and she's ready to provide, you know, some of those table setting routines of nine, eight, seven, five into the nine, nine plus range. And so, yeah, no other information than, you know, I think objectively just giving herself a little more time. 
she had a great day yesterday. It was great to see her. And I can think we'll just expect to see that continue to grow for the rest of the season. We did come back into the middle of Maddie Williams routine and that gorgeous double layout with the stick. We've seen her do that same routine a few times this season. It's always about whether she's going to take that little step back or whether she's going to just sink into that landing. And that was a perfect one. Yeah, I think it shows, again, the routine construction. She's doing a beautiful shabash, a beautiful pack. And those elements are just done to a textbook standard. Uh, And the double layout is also no different. Um, her release point was perfect. And like you said, with, with Williams, it's been a bit of a dice roll to where if she can really sink in, be patient, control some of that excitement, because it's, I'm, I'm sure in her mind, she's like, I've done everything perfectly. I'm so high in this double layout. I can't wait to land. And so I think, yeah, it was great to see her settle in and, you know, fight for that landing and just, you know, make it happen. Cause she's so hot and hits such a beautiful position that in theory, that's what we should see every time. Yeah. Really strong scores across from Cal's bars yesterday, just a little dip from Gabby Perea. What happened there and how'd the rest of the lineup look? Perea was just a bit off. There were a lot of angle things. And for me, it was just tempo. And I think she opened the door on pure wedding with some foot and ankle and the judges took it. So with that, you know, it was a nine, seven, nine, seven, five split. So I think, you know, nine, seven is definitely a vulnerable spot to be. And then coming up short on the dismount, that could have been a 10th to a 10th and a half alone. Um, And yeah, so I think on the apparatus, a little adjustment, but if she could put that exclamation point on, um, you know, it's another gorgeous double layout there. So I could see that even even with her a bit of an off day on the apparatus with a more emphatic dismount, you know, that easily becomes still mid nine eights. And I think that's you know fine, but she has the potential obviously to go into the nine nines with that too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it was fun to see Mickey Adorinto do her exhibition some form throughout, but that toe half to double front totally stuck that landing. That was really nice to see her get that opportunity to put that in front of a crowd. With these kind of lineup tests, I'll call them, or newer faces on new events, I think continuing to show the variety through gymnastics, in my perspective, that seems to be pretty important to Cal. You know, you have Casey Brown's unique toe on, toe off, Pike Branny dismount, Mickey's double front in the mix. And so I think as they're looking, in theory, they'll lose some athletes after this year. And so having that variety in their back pocket um, is great. And and drilling double fronts, you can practice and practice and practice, but I always, you know, kind of, it it makes you take pause a bit. Um, When it's stuck, it's amazing. But all of a sudden you're like, oh, that was a three-tenth step. Like, why did that happen? And it can be so easily over-rotated, under-rotated. Uh, and then you're trying to manage, you know, a cowboy position. It's great. But when it's drilled, it's it's awesome. That was good to see. So we also saw Allison Fears. She closed out Arizona Vault with a very pretty Yurchenko full with sort of a pogo stick hop. Really the only visible challenge with that. 
I did see someone posted Malia Hargrove's vault on X. So that was nice to see. Ideal landing on that one. Very open body position. Really absorbed the landing. What was the rest of the lineup? Were the rest fulls or were there other variety in their vaults? They were fulls from what I recall. And yeah, they do kind of interestingly put Hargrove right in the middle. So they're most typical vaults in that four slot. But I think when you have castles and fears really pushing the limits almost to a caesarial level of extension and settling in, it can really make a comprehensive lineup. So I think good on them for that. Touching on Hargrove's technique, she twists probably as fast as MJ does. And it was like, you know, she was coming out here and it was just like waiting, waiting, waiting. It was shades of Mochianu's 96 all around. Um, <laughs> not quite that much weight, but she finished and it was just waiting, waiting, waiting. And I think we don't always get that with Malia Hargrove, but when we do, this is the result. Um, and so I thought it was it was well, well rewarded. And then, yeah, Castles and Fears um, are really kind of the standards for their lineup in those fulls in terms of like extended hips, uh, and just no built-in deductions off the table either. Nice. So heading over to beam and floor, you referenced this earlier. The judges were not holding back in terms of not crediting acro series when they were wobbles or misconnections. I thought they were maybe 50-50 with crediting some of the leaps that I didn't think hit full split or maybe hit full head release in the ring positions. Where do you fall on deducting heavily versus not crediting the skill? If I put myself in a coach's shoes, I think it is silly at this point to assume that you would put a 9.8 start value routine on the competition floor, especially, you know, these teams, this level, we're talking you know, the number two and number 17 teams in the country. So objectively, I think, of course, we're going to put 10 over teams out there. Like that is just the standard that I think all of these teams are always not even aspiring to, but it's just kind of a non-negotiable part of that. In terms of heavily deducting, I'm a fan when it's warranted. And I think it does a disservice if, you know, let's say in theory, regionals come around or nationals come around and all of a sudden you know ex-gymnast isn't getting credit or their credit for a connection is all of a sudden coming into play so I think understandably getting these deductions is never welcomed but it is an opportunity to learn and make sure things are addressed you know in advance a more intensive situation with feasibly more on the line than just a dual meet Andy Lee started out the beam rotation, really very nice routine, totally nailed that gainer tuck full at the end. Such a pro. I mean, she knows how to sell connection, a tumble series, <laughs> an ideal way to start the routine. I think it was, you know, a testament, and we saw this across both teams, is that fight to where if you feel your upper body drifting or you're insecure with your lower body, uh, keeping it moving and applying some of that finesse can go a long way. And practicing that, you know, obviously you don't want to 
practice making mistakes, but you do want to make sure that you're putting yourself into positions where you're having to figure it out. And that's when muscle, you know, like neuron connection, that's when you're like, I know how to handle this when it occurs. So I do think that Andy Lee, we talked about, you know, the, the repetitions year over year that she has. And when you saw those slight waivers, and it is very minute, um, but when you see those slight waivers, she already knows things to do and a ways to be to minimize or maybe to add some doubt into that to where it was like, what's that? And it, okay, well, moving on. So I thought, again, you know, totally her job was done on beam as it was on, on bars. You didn't see that level. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, and then I thought MJ in the fourth spot just had a really almost ideal routine. So well controlled, totally drilled the dismount. Absolutely beautiful routine from her. It's great to see MJ settling in. I think, you know, her career is so young that we can kind of think back to the beginning of it last year in terms of uh, collegiate routines. And I think it's great that both she and the coaches are still keeping in skills that are super difficult and combinations that are super difficult. However, it's like when she's, she's confident in executing them and it really creates an MJ brand on beam, if you will. And I thought this was just a perfect example of the MJ brand. I thought the front aerial into layout back step out really well constructed, you know, as we used to see back in the day, the front aerial into back handspring, you can really exaggerate those arm movements. And I think MJ hits a really nice balance to where she's taking her time, she's keeping it moving within the bounds of what is believable, I would say. So she definitely finds that security after the front aerial and then just continues right into to the layout back step out. This is where we saw a couple of those routines where it had some perhaps questionable connections. In the two spot, Maddie Williams wobbled after her front aerial, then went on to do the back handspring step out, layout step out, which was fine. And then later the shoulders were forward on the gainer full dismount. So it it was one of those things like you talked about. It just gave the judges some places where they could gain some extra deductions and I think they did. Perhaps she even needed that front aerial into the back handspring step out layout step out for full bonus was the other thing that I thought. Maybe she missed her bonus and that ended with a 9625. Yeah, I do think there was a start value issue for Williams. One judge um, that I saw through a quick 985 and the judge split was 96596. So that tells me that likely there was a reevaluation on giving giving credit there. Uh, and I do believe she was credited with a 9-8 start value. Oh. Um, and that kind of keeps it in line because when you think about the deduction after the front aerial and the dismount, that's about a couple tenths uh, or a tenth and a half. Uh, and so I think, again, in lieu of missing two tenths of expected star value, that's probably the story there. And then Gabby Perea as well, 
seemed to have a, a wobble in her acro series. I think ended with a nine six nine three split. <laughs> so they may not have agreed, but they kind of agreed to disagree there. It was an interesting one. Um, I think the final score, the average, was about where I would expect that routine. You have to act really fast as an athlete. And she knew that that front toss was off. However, she was initiating to try and continue with the combination. So I think when we see athletes repeat those preceding skills in combinations, it's when you're able to control it and not incur that additional deduction. But I think she was just too far down the road with being off on that front toss. And so still went for it, understandably. And then you go back to, you know, what is their preferred approach to where it's like, should you do another combination? But then, you know, that can lead to a a laundry list of other issues from an assessment point of view. So I was very confident that the judges should not credit that with a series. And I'm glad that that was reflected in the final score. Yeah, I think sometimes we don't see judges with the confidence or the (laughs) resolve to do that. So it was nice to see in a meet like this. I thought the scoring reflected that there were problems and an acro series didn't happen. So that's the score you get when that happens. She won't get it next week, I'm sure. (laughs) Absolutely. And, and, you know, experience to be gained. But this, this speaks to a larger concept that I've observed throughout, you know, the first half of this season. And it's kind of like, what does you more harm and what does you more help? Uh, you know, a 10 for a routine that was not a 10 or a 945 for a routine that was a 945. Um, uh, you know, I think take what you want. Uh, and obviously the stories and the narratives attached to each example will be what they are. Um, but I do, I would, I would venture to say a 945 you know, looking back on that routine as an athlete, as a coach, as a judge, you know, it, it is what it is at that point. Whereas on the flip side of that, a 10 for a routine with visible errors, lack of technique, you know, give me a 945 all day. That's a really good point. It doesn't give the coach, the athlete, any incentive to change if they're getting those 9975 first steps that we've seen throughout the season. And it may exactly. very well pay off in the postseason we'll see what cal looks like when they get to knockwood nationals final four here we go i think these learning lessons will pave the way to something great for them arizona over on floor we saw a nice show like you mentioned malia hargrove was rested it looks like it was sophie durr's first time in the lineup her Gorgeous form and extension, I thought, carried well over into her leaps. She looked really beautiful in all of her positions. Just an unusual error on her dismount. She sort of bailed and did just a back tuck to roll out on the dismount. And I wondered if that was, if you could tell, (laughs) is that just a mental? Is that a, was there a little injury or, you know, first time in the lineup, maybe that was just a, a confidence issue. Tough to say because we saw her perform really confidently elsewhere on the day. If anything, gymnastics inherently is a mix of the mental and the physical. So when you see errors like that, 
as somebody who previously did gymnastics, as somebody who has bailed on skills like that before, you know, going into it, uh, I mean, her takeoff, she took off on two feet. She had both hands, you know, appropriately on the double tuck. So then you start to speculate or infer that maybe there was some lack of preparation, whether that be physical or mental. If anything, it, you know, it was if this situation is going to happen, to do it safely to your back. I mean, it doesn't feel good. And you're obviously a bit discombobulated while it's happening. But that is, you know, a safer way to go through that. I'm sure she didn't want it to happen. Nobody wants to see it. And, you know, assuming that you won't have those days in gymnastics is, you know, unrealistic. However, you want to prepare yourself to have those days in the gym rather than in competition. So I think it'll be some notes going back. But like I said, and and you spoke to it as well, um, she's technically very proficient. And I think this will just be a lesson. But there was nothing that I saw um, that really directly correlated to that happening, at least from from a technical or a punch takeoff perspective. Great, great to see that routine, and I hope we get to see it again. Some other standouts for me on Arizona's floor. Emma Strom in the third spot, she was committed to that you know, big facial expression, happy music, super upbeat, that performance style of just like sending joy and sunshine out into the audience like throughout the routine. I was very impressed with that. Was Strom, was this the 80s routine? Or come on, Eileen. I feel like yes, um, that's maybe right. The music, okay. Yes, okay. Yes, yeah. Strom and Mueller had had great projection and engagement, and I think you know I mentioned this on the broadcast, but you then start to do that like gymnastics triangulation, and Taylor Spears, who started at Woga, went to Oklahoma, and you know really had that kind of kj caliber of training from a from a college perspective and so i think those were were great examples of kind of that projection and to where she's trying to cultivate that within a floor lineup and and get some of that out there obviously that type of approach is not for everyone we're not going to see that across the board but to your point you know, those are the things that you remember and they're the Easter eggs within the floor lineup to where they definitely stand out. And nine eight seven five nine nine, they're two top scores as well. So I think, you know, coupled with, you know, really clean landings, great tumbling and leaps and jumps, you know, it, it, they were the whole package for me in that lineup as well. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you a question from a gymnast perspective. So Caroline Harry in the fifth spot, she did a three pass tumbling routine, opened with the double tuck, did the one and a half to front layout, ended with the double pike. The double pike was the best landing of all three of them. And I thought, how, how does that happen? I think it speaks to the individual approach to gymnastics to where it's like, you can see 10 double pikes and they'll all be a little bit different. They'll all be executed with minute you know differences across and so with that one yeah i think it's it's a mix of conditioning she 
in theory, you know, don't want to speak to Caroline's double pike lineage, but she's probably been doing that since she was 11 or 12. And so sometimes you have those things in your back pocket where it's like, I know I can do a double pike. And combination tumbling obviously has its own nuance to where, all right, I need to be patient here. I need to use the bounce of the floor or I'm a little more turned over than usual. I need to, you know, kind of be speeding up my flip in this front layout that can have compounding effects. And then those first passes to, you know, you've been through a touch, you've been through the warm-up period, but sometimes, you know, having that reliance on what does this floor feel like? What is my energy level like? You can have a little extra, you can be second guessing that a bit. So I think that the double pike again is probably something that she has in her back pocket to where she's like, I know I can do this one. This this is going to be, you know, settling in for the for the final. Just a note, Tears of Wise did an exhibition on floor for Arizona. Between the exhibitions and the lineup routines, four of Arizona's six freshmen were competing yesterday. And so I thought that was really great just to see the the restocking, the additional talent coming in and getting opportunities on the floor. Tears, I think, is going to be one to watch. I think it's great that she's getting exhibition reps and yeah, they're they're obviously trying to recruit and bring those in. She had great expression up off the floor. I thought that really stood out. Um, another really technically sound. It seems like Arizona, in a lot of ways, looking at their roster, they have a great pipeline from Texas that comes in. And as we all know, Texas is going to Texas and create really high-level club athletes. And I think that you can see that in you know some collegiate programs where coaches gravitate toward recruiting and then it's kind of like why wouldn't you want to go to college have the best years of your life with um, you know people you're already friends with Um, so I think that they have kind of really tapped into that pocket of Texas and also Southern California so it seems like to your point they're cultivating that over time getting that going exhibitions of course and a dual meet are great opportunities to just get more comfortable Uh, but I think Tirza could already be in this lineup. I think she's hovering probably around that nine eight five nine nine eight seven five ish range right now. So great to also know that she could come in should they need her. So moving to the fourth rotation, I think something you mentioned on the telecast. Uh, we need a floor party from Cal. <laughs> it was very very close. Cal was trailing heading into the the last rotation just by a couple of tenths. So. Starting with Arizona on beam, I was looking at their lineup. Allison Fears had been anchor the week before, and they flipped her up to the leadoff this week. I think that shows confidence in a competitor, in your upperclassman, who can sort of flip around between cleanup or leadoff and and deliver in all those different positions. I thought she did a terrific job. She does that side aerial, which was really nice, and then her round off one and a half, just a little stutter step. But, you know, three cheers to Allison for being able to shift into all those different lineup positions. Cheers for fears, indeed. I think it was smart to um, flip that. I don't know that Arizona possibly expected to have a two-tenth lead going into the final rotation. And I think, you know, to that end, you want to get a solid routine under your belt. And no matter which spot in the lineup that comes from, if you can 
start with one, you know, it's kind of like, all right, we just need four more after this. So I think start with that mentality. And that was, you know, I agree. That was, that was solid construction. She had a couple, you know, kind of flickers and waivers, but a nine, eight, two, five leadoff. That was a solid, solid approach and a solid start. And they have a really, the, the beam lineup that we saw yesterday was very, upperclassmen deep you know abigail martin i think is the only freshman in there so they were relying on those established competitors to really deliver in those situations and i think that's you know part of the benefit in having those folks who have been around your program for so long and knowing what to expect from them while still infusing a bit of some of that newness into the lineups too yeah, really even scores. Everything in the whole lineup was between the 9-8, 9-8-5. Elena Dietz wrapped it up at the end. I just thought her lines and posture and the way she performs on the beam were outstanding. I think she was a bit frustrated with herself for making the errors that she did. You know, I was a bit surprised with the nine eight two five for Dietz. I think technically she's beautiful. And when... She was having those errors. It was almost like she was like, Ugh, I, I don't do that. And so you could see her technical level is obviously better than what we saw yesterday. And I think that also, you know, just kind of alludes to on her best day, this becomes a threatening, you know, nine, nine plus routine. Um, so I think that, that potential is definitely there uh, to close out she was she was definitely strong in the anchor by staying on but I think the pressure was off and maybe she relaxed just a, a touch too much to where we saw you know a couple a couple openings for deduction there yeah almost a hopper step on all of the routines for Arizona from beam so it does feel like once they clean that up these range of nine eights can all go up to the nine nines <laughs> I did appreciate Jessica Castle. She did a TikTok and Mickey Adorento for Cal also did a TikTok. You don't see that very much, but two of them in this meet, it's beautiful to see something a little bit unusual. I think it is one of those, those skills that for better or worse, I don't know that every collagenist can do that. The flexibility, the strength, of course, um, is a perfect combination to be able to show it off like those two athletes did is wonderful. But yeah, I would also venture to say that half of that lineup may have no no interest in doing a back walkover on beam ever again in their life, let alone <laughs> a TikTok. But yeah, great examples of kind of that, you know, choreography of old. So then over to Cal on floor, they needed to rock a floor party. They did just that. Fantastic rotation from top to bottom starting with Williams I think just like you were saying earlier you kind of you construct that lineup in terms of showing what you're showing to the judges and giving people the opportunities to take deductions or not take deductions she's so regal and I know she had a couple of things in her routine that didn't go exactly how you want them to go but just an ideal lead off I think for Cal. I would agree with that. You know, I think the, not the elephant in the room, but maybe the bear in the room is that, that wolf turn from Williams and how that kind of finished a bit more abruptly uh, than she was anticipating, definitely than I was anticipating. The deductions were not, uh, I think, indicative of what you would see. But I also know that 
at least in FIG, the wolf turn deductions are very ambiguous. So it's kind of like, you know, you can rotate as much as you can and then roll out of it. And basically there's nothing technically that would lead you to deduct. So that could be the case for Williams, but it did obviously was not planned to go as what we saw. Um, that notwithstanding, I think she's a great table setter on floor exercise. She's really managed to devise a way that shows mastery on the Rudy and then the one and a half front lay that has great rise. And, you know, I think you, you hit it on the head. It, it's a great way to start. Yeah, it looked like in her wolf, she kind of bailed in the middle and like tucked in. And I thought she did a good job of selling it. It was almost like that was her next pose or choreography or something. But I thought it's not really how the wolf turn's supposed to finish, I don't think. Yes. You know, I think on the on the broadcast, I said things that make you go, hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. And I don't, I mean, if you really want to get super technical, they had another 9875 in the lineup. So if you want to throw William's score out the window and say that wasn't it then they would have, you know, ended up with the same total. So I think the the results, you know, were fine when all was said and done. Agreed, agreed. Kyan Mayhew, the other freshman that we haven't spoken about much yet, was in the fourth spot. I thought she also had a really fun routine. It was kind of beach blanket, almost 60s sounding soundtrack. Started with that front double twist to a punch front of some shape. <laughs> it looked like an open tuck to me, <laughs> but maybe you know what that was supposed to be or what that was planned to be. She warms up a, a pike and it's beautiful. You know, she almost like kicks out, you know, at vertical with that much power out of the front double full. Yesterday, again, it was questionable to me. I think the judges obviously with a 995 chose the one they were going with <laughs> and didn't deduct for that shape. Liz has an approach to choreography that pushes the athletes in regards that are circumstantially appropriate. So Kayan, I think, you know, by and large would not walk into college and say, I am a dancer. Dancing is what I do. Here I am. But I think, you know, it shows a mix of power and a mix of performance that fit and keep her level rising as opposed to, there are some athletes in the NCAA right now that look almost embarrassed to be doing the routines that they're doing. And I think that, um, you know, it easily could go down that route, but totally avoids kind of those those tropes of college gymnastics. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think being challenged and rising to the occasion and even exploring different styles throughout your four seasons is a great way to continue to grow. Speaking of, you know, Andy Lee, it's been so much fun to watch what her routines look like each season. I just think the shapes that she puts her body into in this routine are so beautiful and unexpected. And she has a really good sense of the music, too. Her musicality is really strong. It's funky the way I would I would describe it. It's funky and it has those influences of modern dance and kind of those avant-garde positions to where you know it just invites consumers of gymnastics fans of gymnastics to be like that was different that was refreshing she obviously you know is trying to stand out from the crowd rather than you know just fall in line 
And so I think that Cal is also year over year, a great environment to have athletes do that. Um, They've had some great examples of, you know, athletes who are, I think, you know, as talented of dancers as they are gymnasts and being able to showcase and spotlight some of that in different ways, rather than, you know, saying, this is where we need you to be. I think it's kind of like their approach is much more of a partnership as to like, this is where you can go. Let's help each other to get there. I love that. That's great to hear. I can't think of a better way to wrap up the meet than MJ Frazier's floor routine. She just has it all. She's a great dancer. She's very flexible. You're not angry when she does these ring leaps. And then she's so powerful too. That double layout was perfectly under control. Front through to double tuck at the end. Absolutely landed in an ideal way. So tell me about the foghorn for those of us who aren't familiar. I don't know that I've experienced the foghorn before. You know, Bay Area is obviously, you know, the fog rolls in. So I don't have any expert insight as to why and and how that's happening. But it was definitely, you know, to your point, a great way to close out a point of emphasis, you know, with a scores building and culminating. And the way I would describe MJ's routine this year is almost like casual. It's so like confident and everything is just kind of like, I know I can do this. I know I can do this to, you know, an extreme degree. And it's what we've come to expect, you know, building that brand of beam, translating over to floor. It's just a great showcase. Cal had already won after Andy Lee finished her routine. So it was really just the the icing on the cake was that final routine. We heard lots of foghorns during that last rotation. All the scores were terrific. 9875 was thrown out. Um, so in terms of like regular season implications, Cal retains its number two ranking. It's getting really, really close with LSU. So we'll keep an eye on that. Pac-12 regular season champion, question mark. Pac-12 championship. How far do you think Cal can go this season? The time is now. I think as we've seen over the last few seasons, the Pac-12 is, and their conference championships are always going to be competitive. I think that's that's agnostic of conference. You know, you, you have much less parity between schools in powerful conferences. I think Cal is as close as they're going to be to be the outright favorite uh, heading into a conference championship if things continue the way they've been this year. Uh, I do think that Utah and UCLA have vulnerabilities um, that in a head-to-head matchup, they will have to erase and remedy um, to you know, be the outstanding front runner. That being said, you know, really you're looking for the complete package in a conference championship situation. I think any steps on dismounts are those things that it's like that could very well be an influence, a factor, a difference maker. Regular season, you know, the next meet I'm happy to say I'll have the opportunity to commentate is Cal's head to head with Utah, uh, which I think will be very telling and likely have regular season implications. And, you know, just from a perspective of Cal will have, will look to have a very different meet, you know, for the rest of the season. But I think, again, some some beneficial lessons learned through this one. Yeah. 
And with Arizona being at number 17 and having opportunities to improve some of these landings to perhaps upset some teams ranked higher than them, it looks like they're looking for a strong regional championships, perhaps to be in that final 16 and and cause an upset there at the end of regionals. And it feels like if they keep continuing with this group that looks so great, they could they could do that. I think the potential is there. And, you know, I mentioned it off the top and you're you're reiterating it here. They're dangerous. And as we've seen in, in regionals past, when top teams are not performing at their peak or opening the door in ways that maybe we hadn't seen previously in the season, teams like Arizona become a threat and it's tangible. They they have the capability. They have the skills there. I think the big thing for them will be landing to sick and just being confident in in taking that approach to gymnastics because the risk that you invite when landing to stick is that landing deductions could be even more than landing to land but i think it was great to see you know arizona for me over the last you know five to six years has just been you know a bit of a roller coaster definitely you know they um are a pac-12 team that has the ability to recruit really respectable, technically sound gymnasts. But it's kind of that dice roll of like, is this going to be a 195.5 or a 197? And so staying in that kind of ambiguous state, I think it, it seems like it's normalizing or they're closing kind of that expectation as to what they go out and throw for, for totals. And I think this was a good one to have in their pocket. Obviously, some just like how some lessons to be to be gained, but for sure a threat on the right day. So you mentioned you're commentating Cal versus Utah in the regular season. Are there any other upcoming meets where we can make sure to tune in to hear your expert commentary? That's it right now for me. You know, it's something that I'm happy to have had the opportunity to do kind of on an ad hoc basis. Like I said, a ton of respect for the commentators out there who, you know, are working with a ton more production behind them and having, you know, people screaming, you know, you need to say this, we need to go here, all of that. I give them a lot of credit because when I have the opportunity to do this, I kind of just do my thing. And so I take everything with a grain of salt. I hope that it is, you know, well-received from the fan base. You know, I want to make sure that everything that I'm saying and the way I'm presenting commentary ensures growth for the sport and respect for the sport rather than just talking for the sake of talking. So I know that my approach and brand is not necessarily cookie cutter out of the box, but it is, you know, something that I enjoy doing and, you know, spreading that kind of like passion and awareness for gymnastics to fans and hopefully athletes and, you know, the wider community. You know, that's, that's what I hope comes through. Well, it's great to listen to, and I'll definitely be tuning in to hear Utah and Cal. I can't wait for that one. How can people reach out to you if they want to discuss release point or any other of the finer techniques in gymnastics? Yeah, there will be no code test either administered or taken by me. So this is a safe space. But yeah, Twitter is the best. Uh, Yoev, Y-O-E-V, uh, is my handle. And that's uh, that's the best spot. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. We can't wait to hear you commentate additional meets in the future and hope you'll be a guest again sometime down the line. Thanks, Ken. Can't wait. Thanks so much for listening. 
we'd really appreciate it if you could click that subscribe button or give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can always reach me on Twitter at KentyMac or email KentyMac at gmail.com. Please check out video of some of these conversations on my YouTube channel, KentyMac Gymnastics. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Stay safe and enjoy gymnastics. Double back with Kenty Mac. Mac.